When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. Welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. And today we're going to have some fun, uh, kind of a different sort of conversation. Uh, this podcast is in conjunction with a story that's going to be running on Syracuse.com about Syracuse basketball players who have had their jerseys honored. And we say honored instead of retired because Syracuse for basketball does not retire jerseys. They honor them. They're all raised into the rafters of the dome. And joining me on the podcast today is Jim Sadelin, a local legend, basketball great from the parochial league, uh, co- former college coach. And uh, in recent years, uh, Syracuse fans will recognize Jim as uh, one of the radio voices of the Syracuse Orange. So, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Michael. Now, make sure you don't tell anybody all the problems we had of getting in this thing now. I guess we already told everybody that now, haven't we? You know, I'm a neophyte in this kind of technical stuff, so I'm glad we're finally ready to go. We never discuss about any of the stuff that happens before we hit the record button, Jim. So, um, and listen, if, if you only knew the number of times when technology failed me or when I failed technology. <laughs> Perfect. We're ready to go then. So let's go. So... You know, I started thinking about this uh, topic. I, I think about it a lot, probably more than I need to. But uh, just this past season, in the final regular season home game, among the many fest- uh, festivities that were going on at Syracuse that weekend, uh, was they honored two members of the 2003 national championship team, Jerry McNamara and Hakeem Warwick, by raising their jerseys uh, to the Dome's rafters bringing the total number uh, to 17 former players who have been so honored. And I always think, like, who else deserves that honor? And who should be next? And I think it's a worthy conversation because 17 might sound like a big number to some folks, but if you compare that number to other established programs that like Connecticut, Kansas, North Carolina, Indiana, UCLA, a lot of these other schools have honored a lot more players than Syracuse has. So I think we can legitimately have this conversation. So let me just, uh, right, let's get the ball rolling. Just give me a few names that come to mind for you when you start thinking about players who need to have their jerseys honored. Well, you know, Michael, they have, uh, there's been so many terrific players for Syracuse over the years. Um, that have really made this a dominant program nationally. Now, we've fallen off a little bit recently, but before that, certainly a dominant team, along with those those schools that you just mentioned. And uh, 
So it's hard to probably separate a couple of them. I mean, if I looked at a few of them, I would say back a little bit, Rudy Hackett had a fabulous career, and he was the first one to, you know, to lead that team, along with Jimmy Lee, into the uh, Final Four, set the tempo for everybody else, I think. Um, Ralph Anderson, I, we coached against him a number of times, and he was a fabulous player. You know, Pearl got all the all the, the comp and all the everything else to pub, but Anderson was a terrific, terrific player that did everything for that team. And I think that Stephen Thompson, um, a little bit more recent, although not as recent as time flies here, like as we say, because that was back in the late 80s, 90s. So, um, but he was a fabulous player. For a guy who couldn't really shoot it and was not a good foul shooter, but could do everything else. He was the glue in that team, not to mention that he scored whenever he really wanted to. Those three guys kind of stick out to me more than anything, although I think that if you talk to players, you talk to everything, they probably are more supportive of people in their own era. You know, they look at those guys that played against or that they were with and doing some things, and they probably are going to think more in that direction. But, uh, you know, it's uh, having a banner raised in your name is pretty nice, it's pretty neat because you're there forever. You know, as long as that facility's there, you're there. And, you know, it's the difference between that and the Hall of Fame maybe. Hall of Fame is a great honor to have for anybody, but there's usually multiple eight or nine people to go in every year. But this situation where you're getting raised up to the top happens very rarely and sporadically. And, uh, you know, so you have to be pretty careful about how you're looking at this thing. You can't take this lightly on who are the next people good to go in. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I, I don't think you want to put guys up willy nilly and just make it a, well, we do this once a year. And then you end up where you start running out of names. You want to still make it a, a, an honor. And I think it is still because, you know, every time we have a ceremony, these guys get choked up. You can tell that it really means something to whether it's a John Wallace or a Carmelo Anthony or a Billy Owens or whoever it is, Dennis Duvall a few years back. Um, yeah, it hits them. And uh, it's well, it should, though. It should, Mike. You know, it really should. I mean, this is a fabulous honor of all the great players and all the people that you've had in this program for so long. And they're putting your name up there as one of the elite players um, that have ever been at this institution. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand how people would get would get choked up and under, you know, what that's going to happen. So, yeah. And, it, it, and that's why I think you're right. I think it's uh, it's not something you do yearly. It's not like you got to add on a different guy each year. That's not the, I don't think that's the way this thing goes. You know, uh, as I alluded to when we started here, we're having this conversation because I'm also doing a, a story on Syracuse.com. And for it, I took a different tack. I sent out messages to 50 former Syracuse players. And I asked them who should be the next guy to have his jersey honored. I received a little over 35 responses as we're recording. Some are still coming in. In fact, I got one just before we started. So we're at about 35, 37 responses now, which I think is really cool. These Some of these guys actually have an opinion on this. My leading vote getter to this point, and it might change before the story comes out, it is Raphael Addison, who you mentioned earlier. He was a good I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. It, it is, the leading vote getter at this point is Raph Addison. You know, um, 
I'm sure that he's probably got a lot of people that have talked about him getting in, being the next person. And as I mentioned, he was kind of not in the spotlight because you had Pearl playing with him all the time. But uh, if you talk to Jim Beheim, I'm sure that he would, would talk about Ralph Addison as being one of the great leaders that they ever had at this program. And he was in that midst, too, of just before Coleman and, and Owens and those guys that put all that final four together. I mean, all those guys brought all those kind of things going. So when I, when I think of him, I just think he's, he was a terrific scorer. He rebounded, he guards you, had a great body for, you know, six, seven strong. Um, you know, he, and he won. I mean, they, they won all the time and he was the leading guy on that team. So certainly he would be have to be somebody that they would, they would think strongly about being the next one up there. Still ranks 10th all-time in points at Syracuse and didn't play with a three-point shot. So. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And they didn't play anywhere near as many games either as they played today. So when you look at the number of points scored, it's hard to compare because those guys just didn't have the same kind of opportunities. Another guy you mentioned was Rudy Hackett. Now, at this point, he is my second leading vote-getter. And listen, some of this is a little skewed. This isn't scientific. I think a few more of the guys I polled played in the 80s in and around Raph Addison's career than I had guys from the 70s. But Rudy's still at number two in the poll. And this is a guy I I didn't cover him. I didn't even see him play. But he has a soft spot in my heart because I recognize him as the senior captain on a on the first Syracuse team to go to a Final Four. You know, he uh, we when I was coaching at Bonaventure, we played them – twice during that time and and uh, we had no answer for, for Rudy Hackett. I mean he was six nine, he could shoot from the outside, he could post you up on the inside, he ran the floor. He and Jimmy Lee played very well together. Um there were a twosome that was hard to stop. And uh but Hackett was one of those guys that did everything. I mean he just did everything for your team. He could play center, he could play forward, he could do it all. And uh I thought I mean he, he's been under underrated I think throughout his whole career here um, I mean after the final four because he was he was a guy that played a lot I think in Europe and he, his career went on and uh, I just think that people forget about him because it was a long time ago you know it was almost 50 years ago and you have a tendency to forget those kind of things but guys that played with him or guys that coached against him don't forget that believe me yeah and and that kind of bothers me I mean Rudy's number really should have been put up in the 80s or 90s and we do get, we are at a point now where most people have forgotten how good he was because, I mean, in the first 95 years of the Syracuse basketball program, they only honored two players, Dave Bing and Vic Hansen. And I don't know why they weren't honoring guys, but because they didn't, we got to a point quick where people forget about Rudy Hackett, for those who don't know, as a senior on that Final Four team, averaged 22 points and 12 point seven rebounds a game. There hasn't been a Syracuse player since then that can match that rebounding number in a single season. Nobody, not Derek Coleman, not Ronnie Cycli, not John Wallace, not Carmelo Anthony, Rudy Hackett. You know, that's a, it, it seems like it's a no brainer for sure because of what he's done and uh, the way he did it. So I think part of the problem was when you asked why things didn't happen, Syracuse was always a football school. You know, they were not a basketball school. And, and throughout the 50s, they won. A couple times they won. Then it got in before 
Bing and Behan came on board, they weren't very good at all. Then they, you know, then they were good. Then they weren't so good. And then Hackett all of a sudden was with that team. And through that time, you had Jimmy Brown and Ernie Davis and Floyd Little and Zonka. And all anybody in circuits ever talked about was the football team. So I think part of that is probably what's, yeah, what's happened with, uh, with Rudy Hackett. But hopefully, you know, now people will remember and through things like what you're doing, Mike, that uh, he might be the next one in line. I'll throw one more thing out there. We got to move on to another player. The 1987 team that went to a Final Four has had three guys have their jerseys honored: Sherman Douglas, Derek Coleman, Ronnie Cycling. The 2003 National Championship team has also had three guys: Carmelo, Hakeem, and Jerry McNamara. Even the '96 Final Four teams had John Wallace. The 75 team hasn't had a player recognized yet in terms of having their jersey honored. So we'll see. Let's go. Let's stick with that team. What do you think of Jimmy Lee? He's my golf partner. So I love the guy. He can enter a mile and he's great that way. And I, I just, he's terrific. Um, you know, I, I think I always thought that, that um, the excellence for, to have a banner up there has to be, longevity as much as anything else now, except for Carmel Ellis of course who was only here one year and you win a championship but uh, everybody else was here for four years mm -hmm. and you know had great numbers and stats and success probably the most of that four years you know throw it there Jimmy had a great great senior year had a good junior year um they couldn't play though at that time either when you were a freshman you that might have been the first year that you could play in the varsity but so those guys all played in the freshman team. So they only played three years. So right. I look at Jimmy Lee as one of the best guards that ever played at circuits, for sure. He made the shot that, you know, was heard around the world against your old team, too, if I'm not mistaken, against Carolina. And, uh, you know, probably the biggest shot in the history of, of circuits basketball, individual shot, you know, to win a game. Jim, um, Jimmy Lee brings that shot up every time he and I get together. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. He's very proud of that 75 team. And I think he would agree with you that they haven't gotten the notoriety that they probably should. Mm. You know, it, it just kind of didn't happen. And uh, so, but I think Jimmy um, will certainly get some, some consideration for this. Um, you know, he, is he deservedly should, so, um, but probably not in the first couple ones coming in. I think there's some other guys that, it might be a little bit ahead of my line this time. Don't get mad at me, Jimmy Lee. Don't get mad at me. I'm the, I'm telling you, you're a great player and a good golfer too. But maybe yeah. maybe it's not quite your time yet. He's not giving you any strokes the next time you guys play together. Right. Um, right. <laughs> Etan Thomas has gotten some votes. Obviously, great center, still the school's all-time leading shot blocker. Now he doesn't play on a Final Four team, but he plays on a couple Sweet Sixteen teams. Um, what do you, what's your opinion of a time? You know, um, I think Etan wasn't one of those, um, sexy players. You know, he wasn't one of those guys that you, you walked out of the game saying, whoa, wow. Cause he had 28 points and he did have probably, you know, 15 rebounds and 10 block shots or eight block shots. He was terrific that way. Um, but I, I'm not sure. And he actually, Crazy as it sounds, he probably had a better career in the pros than he did at Syracuse because of longevity. He played a long time there. He did the same things in the pros that he did at Syracuse. But um, and, and you know, he's a, 
obviously a very bright guy and, and has done all kinds of great things as an activist. And, and you know, so I, I have great respect for Ethan Thomas. And, and I think he he was one of those guys that was an excellent player on a dominant, during a dominant string that Syracuse had from a national standpoint. Um, I just don't know if he quite scored enough to take the next step. That wasn't his job. And, you know, when he's in the center spot playing for Syracuse, especially early, you didn't get a lot of opportunities. You didn't get the ball, and you weren't going to shoot a whole lot. Jesse Edwards totally different than what Ethan Thomas said in terms of being able to catch the ball posted and do things. And I think Ethan had to go to the board and get it if he was going to get it. So Yeah, but yeah I, an offensive play for a ton, place. yeah. Yeah. Uh, running yeah. a play for a ton meant Jason Hart missing a shot. <laughs> yes, yes. So he, I, I, I think he's a terrific player, like all the rest of these guys that we're talking about. Just not quite sure if he's one of the top guys to go in. The one stat that always stands out for me with a ton. I mentioned that he's the school's all-time leading shot blocker. He holds that record by almost a hundred more than the guy at number two, who's Roosevelt Bowie, no slouch himself. I mean. That's pretty amazing. I mean, Roosevelt held the record for 20 years, and then a, a ton just blew it away like he was Bob Beeman. And, you know, Roosevelt uh, played four years, too. And Ethan oh, yeah. uh, probably did, but I, I don't think he played much as a freshman or didn't get much time in that one. So um, it's interesting you talk – I saw Roosevelt Bowie a little while ago uh, at a golf tournament, as a matter of fact, at St. Bonaventure, of all places. I looked at him and said, what are you doing here at St. Bonaventure? After you broke our hearts, but he uh, is working for Batavia Downs Casino now. He's kind of a front guy and doing some things, so he's there. But the first thing he said to me, he must have talked to you or he done something about this because he said Dale Shackelford should have his number raised up to the banners. I said, well, Dale was a terrific player. Yeah, he's a great. He did this. He, so he was selling Dale Shackelford to join him up in the rafters. I am not going to publicly argue with Roosevelt because he, he scares me. Uh, <laughs> a lot bigger than you are, I know that, or me. <laughs> and I'm also not going to argue against Dale Shackelford because, similarly, <laughs> he's a huge guy, and I'm not—I'm scared of him. Uh, yeah, Shaq's. I, I, yeah, maybe Roosevelt uh, might have been one of the guys I pulled. I can't say. Um, you mentioned Stevie Thompson earlier. I, you know, Stevie's interesting. You know, he played with all those amazing players. We mentioned him earlier, Ronnie Cycli, Derek Coleman, Sherman Douglas. You know, he never led Syracuse in scoring in any single season. And yet he's number six or seven on the school's all-time scoring list. Which is amazing. It is. I mean, it's incredible what he did, how he was able to – of course, he ran. I mean, he was quick. He could get out on the floor. Sherman Douglas was a great passer, a lobber, and they got it in. And he he had more spectacular plays at Syracuse probably than, you know, maybe Pearl in a different way. But I don't remember anybody finishing on a break the way Stevie Thompson did. And, I mean, he could do things that a lot of people could not do. And, and he was so well-rounded. Um, he's going to be one of the next next couple, I think, up there. You know, he just has to be just based on his, what he's done in the past. Yeah, it seems like his name's in right in the mix there with Raph Addison and and Rudy Hackett and and some of these other guys that we're talking about. Um, you know, one of the former players I talked to uh, and, and asked him for a player had an interesting take. He said that he thinks the school needs to honor Roy Danforth. 
as the coach that after Syracuse fell off a little bit after Dave Bing and Jim Beheim and, and, you know, that crew, George Hicker graduated, uh, this program falls off for a few years when Roy comes in and in about six or seven years, he takes him to the final four. What do you think of Roy? You know, um, he, he was a great friend. Um, other than the fact we played him up in Buffalo one day in the ECAC playoff, and I thought he ran it up on me. He busted me bad at the end. They were still pressing. They were up 25 with about five to go. He was still pressing. Jimmy Lee still tells me about that, too. But I think that Roy Damperth um, was a uh, innovative coach. I mean, he went and got guys like Mark Waddick and Mike Lee. They had the Roy's Runts when they had the little guys. They were the forwards on that team playing against teams from all over. And they went, went to the NIT and, and won a number of games. And, and then when he got Hackett with that group, he had Dennis Duval in that group. I mean, he, he went out and got some good players and Jimmy Lee. And uh, so, I mean, he – I'm sure he looks back on it and realizes I made a mistake. <laughs> I left to go to Tulane thinking it was going to be a better situation at this point, and it wasn't, you know, and it just was a shame for him because it was great for Jim Beheim, great for Syracuse fans, as it turns out. But I uh, I think Roy would look back at it and think, you know what, it's probably not. It was one of those decisions I made at the time that seemed like the right idea. Maybe it was a financial one. I don't even know. But it was uh, didn't work out for him. But I thought he was a great coach. I thought that he was a good recruiter. He brought in guys that, you know, and and uh, he taught me in a summer class. He taught me a basketball class up at SU, and I needed three credits. Probably I flunked the course probably at Bonnie's, and I had to come in and get three more credits. But he uh, – and uh, I got an A from him too. So I'm never going to say anything bad about Roy Different. I'll tell you that. But he was a good coach. He really was a good coach and a good person and a fun guy to be around, too. I've had only a couple times where I've had a chance to talk with him. And I think it would be great if the school would, at least, you know, bring him back and at least have a day or, or on, you know, somehow, you know, let the crowd see him because he's still around. You know, he's he's, he's doing really well. Uh, you know, a uh, few of his former players let me know every once in a while. Hey, you know, Roy's doing good. Um, so, uh, just a couple more names to throw out here, and we can make it quicker on some of these. A teammate of Aton Thomas's, Jason Hart, the school's all-time leader in steals. Wow. I didn't realize that. Um, he was, uh, you know, he came in. Remember, he came in under that cloud that, that he signed with Syracuse and then was going to go back to someplace in California. Of course, he was from Cal. That's a long way to go. But And then. Jim Beham wouldn't release him, if I'm not mistaken, from the, his uh, his uh, letter of intent. You're right. And he finished the game, and then he, you know, he he was relaxed, and he came in here, started as a freshman too, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and, and was a terrific pass first guard, good defensive player, um, both in the zone and you know at the top. He was like a lot of the Syracuse guys, you know, that 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 flourished when they played the top of the zone. Frank Howard and uh, you know, a bunch of different guys that have really been good there. So Jason Hart was uh, not a real shooter, if you remember. He wasn't a real scorer from outside, but he could get to the basket and do some things. But he, you're right. He was a uh, he was a terrific defensive player and uh, strong, too, if you remember how big he was. I don't mean 210 or anything, but, I mean, he was wiry and he could get to it. So uh, a really one of those really, really good players for Syracuse. Leo Routens. 
You know, I I would uh, I think Leo was probably the most well-rounded player um, that Syracuse maybe has ever had. Six-eight shooter, passer, rebounder. Um, not really a, a defender, Leo. Not, not, that wasn't your strong suit. But he he could do everything else. And uh, uh, you know, and I think he was only at Minnesota what one year maybe. Yeah, he you came know? to Syracuse and played three. Okay, so he ended up playing three there. So you know, and and one of the other good things he, that Leo did, he gave us Andy Rollins. And Andy was a terrific player at Syracuse as well. So he had a, he contributed a great deal to the Syracuse program, Leo. But I, I thought he was uh, he was really a talented player. I mean, he was a first round draft pick, played in pros for a few years till his knees, you know, got out from gave out on him and so on. But he was uh, he was probably the most well rounded player that I can remember at Syracuse. If we're thinking of any player off the 2013 Final Four team, is it Michael Carter Williams or maybe or, Brandon Trish? Um, good point. You know, um, I think Brandon Trish had a, a better career at Syracuse than Michael Carter did. Williams, Carter Williams, if you remember, didn't play at all as a freshman. You know, then he came in. Did he play three years or two years? It's just the two. Okay, the second year he just just blew it out. You know, became a, a top draft pick, top eleven child draft pick, and uh, had a great first year in the pros and everything. So I, I think I think I I would go with Brandon Trish though, only because he played it the whole time and he was such a steady player and did so much for them. But Michael Carter Williams got him to the Final Four that year, no question. This doesn't have to be the last guy because there's a lot of other names I could throw out there, but I think we might make it the last guy because we've been talking for a while. Danny Shays. You know, um, kind of the same thing again. Danny Shays ended up obviously playing 20 years in the pros, so he, people yeah. saw something about this guy, right? Right. Um, but I, I don't think... know if we count the pro career, though, if, for the Syracuse jersey. Right. But... right. Bill. Right. I don't, but I, I look at him as he he was in a tough situation because Roosevelt was ahead of him, and he wasn't going to beat Roosevelt out. You know, he's older, two or three years older, and uh, you know Jim Beham was with his, his great loyalty toward the seniors. Not that Danny Shea was going to beat out Roosevelt, I don't mean that, but it, but he didn't get much of a chance to play his first number of years. Finally, when he got in there and got a chance. He proved how good he was. And, and again, he was like Leo Routens in, in a sense. He was a terrific passer for a big man, great screener, a very unselfish player. You know, with his bulk and his size, he could score on the inside and, and do things. But um, yeah, he just it was in a tough situation because of Roosevelt Bowie, really. Well, this has been a lot of fun. It's the kind of conversation I think I know I like to have. And I think a lot of Syracuse fans out there like to have this conversation. We've probably settled nothing. Uh, <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> Other than probably getting some guys mad at us now that we haven't mentioned their name. Pretty you know, much, yes. Uh, guys like Preston Schumpert, uh is probably going to let me hear about it. Uh, Eric Sanifer is probably going to have something to say. Uh, CJ, any... CJ Fair was a great player at Syracuse. You know? I mean, You're right. Yeah, there's CJ. so many guys. There's so yeah. many guys in there that you could throw out that you think these are really, really good players. And it's just what I kind of said in the beginning, when you had so many excellent players in this program, so many terrific players, 
that built this program up. It wasn't just the guys that are up in the rafters. And it wasn't just the guys that you and I are talking about right now. There's so many other guys that are in there that just did their job and they were good at it and, uh, you know, might not ever get their, their names up on that banner, yeah. but they were, you know, just as important for the success of this program. as probably a lot of the guys up there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at the current coaching staff. I mean, Jerry McNamara has got his name up there, but how important are Adrian Autry and Alan Griffin to this program? Yeah. I mean, Adrian Autry was a terrific player here. It was like, that was the first couple of years that I was back in Syracuse and I was doing a couple of games on TV. Uh, um, and, and he was, uh, he was so good as a guard at Syracuse. I mean, he's so strong and he could six, four and he could back guys in, he could shoot it. Um, you know, I mean, he was, he was terrific. He's going to be, he was one of the 10 best guards probably ever to play at Syracuse. And, and, and Alan Griffin did an awful lot of great things for him as well. But, um, yeah, I think that, that, you know, we could go on and on and on, Mike, and talk about another 20 guys. Absolutely. Good, you know, really good play. And some of them back before your time, and, and you know, that we're in some of those. That's what people, you know, some of the older guys always get upset about, that, and we talk about it with Rudy, is that, that you forget about them. And, and not only do you forget about them, but a lot of Syracuse fans now are your age or are younger, and they don't get anywhere around when these guys were playing. And uh, – that doesn't mean they weren't good players or terrific, but the big kid, Billy Smith from Rochester, late 60s, 70s, I mean, he, I think he averaged the most points maybe in Syracuse one year. I mean, he was terrific. Greg Coles was a terrific player for Syracuse. Greg Kid Coles averaged 26 a game his senior year. Yeah. yeah. 26. Um, Smith, I think, maybe got the highest total points in one game. He had like 48 or something like it before maybe somebody broke it. But, I mean, no, he, he's he not been broken. Tough. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's so many of those guys. When you when you kind of go back, I noticed that, that you know with Bing and and that group, and, and uh, I wouldn't put Jim Bayam in that group, by the way. He's already got his name up on that that thing. He doesn't need another one for sure. But they, uh, no, they that that's the thing. You can only name so many. It's like, you know, you're picking an all star team, and you can only name five guys. Who's the best five guys in NBA history? Stop. You would say five guys. I could say five different, and somebody else could say. So that that's the hard part, I think, in, that you don't recognize a lot of the older guys in this. And but that's that's what it is. That's why we're having fun with it. Speaking of older guys, and I'm, we're going to wrap it up here in a sec. But well, one guy that I kind of forgot, I had him in my notes, and you know, it's along the lines of guys that can get forgotten and shouldn't be. Vince Cohen. Ooh. In, the, in the 1950s, Vince Cohen was an All-American and the star player on the first Syracuse team to go to the NCAA tournament. They actually went to the East Regional Finals and lost to the eventual national champion, North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, but that was a great Carolina team with Lenny Rosenbluth, who's a legend yeah, yeah. in North Carolina. But, you know, this is a team that lost Jim Brown, you know, for you know the circumstances over the makeup of the team and the racial component and how many guys yep. can start. If that team has Jim Brown on it and goes to a Final Four and maybe even wins it all – Vince Cohen is a legend because he's going to be the star player on a, on a team that goes to the final four. Um, you know, another guy who history has sadly kind of forgotten. You know, Vinny, Vinny Cohen, I think was that, that uh, I was kind of growing up and I was real young when he was playing, but he was the first great player that I remember certainly at Syracuse. Billy Gaber was a great player. 
played in the pros and was terrific and Vic Hansen way back in I mean, but Vinny Cohen's the first one I remember and he was from DC, if I'm not mistaken. He kind of came in and, and uh, he was one of the first ones that came in from there, but he was a terrific, terrific player. You're right. Had they gone one step further and gone to the Final Four, we'd be talking about his name up there on the rafters, no question. Yeah. And neat thing about Vinny Cohen is uh, he would have played in the NBA, except he had got it, uh, admitted into law school. And back in the 50s, his career prospects were greater going to law school than they were in the NBA. They didn't make as much money back then. No, no question. No but he was question. that good. He was that good. So, again, this is fun. It's great uh, fodder for conversation. I invite anybody listening to uh, comment either under the story or under the podcast here. Uh, we thank you for listening. And uh, Jim, thank you, too, for joining me here today. I really appreciate it. Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.